from uh, the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. And this is the word of God. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Thus says the Lord. Before we move on to our sermon points, let us pray and let us ask for Holy Spirit to lead us uh, to understand his word today. Father, like a sheep, we need you to guide us as our shepherd, O Lord. Especially, Lord, we live in the world that is, uh, that is opposite with our own desires and opposite with our own faith. And Lord, I pray so that the word today will give us the encouragement that is not coming from all of us, but comes from the cross. Let us see the cross again, Lord, and let us uh, worship in the beauty of your gospel again through this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So from this passage, brothers and sisters, we will see three points or three exhortations from John so that we may see the hope to live faithfully for God in this hard world. And these three exhortations are, first one, for new Christians, you are strong. Second, for mature Christians, you are still little children. And the third one, for all Christians, remember that you are forgiven. So, friends, before we go into the first point, let me explain a little bit the context of John's exhortation here in the three verses that we just read. Here we see John divides his exhortations into three specific groups or categories, as you have seen in these verses. The first group we can see is the little children. The second one is the fathers. And the third group is young men. These three different groups that seem to be like from three different generations, they are not meant to be read literally. John intentionally divides the audience into three generational groups to address Christians according to their spiritual maturity. John does this to us not because he wants to discriminate by telling those who are more mature or more well-off uh, they, are more, they, they are better in their spiritual journey. But here John tries to be as affectionate as possible to his audience because he understands Christians in different stages of spiritual maturity would also have different struggles and challenges. It is like if you're parents, you will talk to your five-year-old and to your 10-year-old differently with different advices. Not because you favor the one over the other, but because you know they have different needs and different struggles. And moreover, we want to give a specific instructions that they can understand, that they can get, and that they can know that we as parents really, really love them. That's what John is trying to do here. He does not want to give us a generic advice that would generally bother us. He wants to be as close and relevant as possible to our current conditions. And with this background, let's see the first exhortation in the first point. For new Christians, remember that you are strong. So for the first point, we will focus on the young, uh, 
Christians here or the young men who are mentioned here as the young or newly converted Christians comprised of those who recently accepted the gospel and decided to follow Christ for less than five years. So think about this, brothers and sisters, this young man referring in this verse is maybe, uh, maybe, maybe us, it's maybe one of us who just became Christians, who just encountered the gospel, who just accepted Christ, who became um, members of the church for um, less than five years of your life, maybe. And these people may still have to adjust with the way of Christians' life. They still need to adjust with the way we worship. And perhaps these people, normally they are very, very eager to study the Bible. They want to know more about theology. And they have so many questions regarding Christians' faith. And if we see emerging churches today, I think this group is the majority of those churches. And I, I can also say that this group is also the majority group of CCC's member today. And what does Apostle John wants to say to these young, recently converted Christians? He said in verse 14, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. What does it mean? Why John needs to remind young Christians, the, new, the, the newly converted Christians, that they are strong? Friends, if one of my friends came to me and he said to me, Davin, you're strong. Davin, you can do it. Davin, you beside you. Why he needs to say that to me? Because at that time, my friend knows that I need encouragement because I feel weak. I need those, those encouragement to strengthen me again, to get up and to move forward with my life because I feel I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough skills and capacity to do so. And to my fellow new Christians here in the sanctuary, have you ever felt that you are not that strong? Have you ever felt that you are weak because you feel you have not mastered the Bible yet? Or because you feel that you have failed living out God's commandment perfectly? Maybe you feel weak, brothers and sisters, because you feel that the sins and the troubles of the world are so evil. They are so menacing and much more intimidating, more than what we can handle. And when we do, we often realize that we are weak. Friends, have you ever been ashamed? Have you ever been embarrassed to live out your faith in the midst of your family, perhaps in the midst of your friends, your colleagues, because you're afraid of their rejection? Or maybe, friends, have you ever felt that you cannot contain the temptation of sins and suffering that we face because you think you don't, you don't have enough solid theology? Or even have you ever felt afraid to share the gospel because you think you don't have enough knowledge, you are afraid that you cannot answer many difficult questions about God? Or maybe you're afraid of rejection. Friends, I get it. It is somehow normal to feel weak when we just got into something new in our lives. I remember how terrified I was back then when I was first learned how to drive a car. You know, for the first two weeks after I finished my uh, car driving lesson back then, I was very, very nervous. My heart beats very, very fast, especially when I had to drive fast in the freeway. And one day, I remember my mom asked me to pick her up at the airport. And the day before that, I remember I was very nervous that I 
couldn't even sleep. I was very, very nervous because I thought my driving skill was still bad. Because I realized that I do not have enough strength, strength back then to face all the big vehicles, all the big trucks, all the, uh, all the speed cars in the freeway back then. And likewise, we as new Christians, we may also think that we are still not good enough to be a Christians because of those many reasons, because we feel we don't have sufficient Bible knowledge, because we feel that we don't have enough Christian wisdom in us, or maybe we feel that we don't have good experience to navigate my life faithfully as Christians. Is this true, my friends? Do you see yourself as a weak Christian? Well, if this is how you see yourself, the Bible, the Word of God today tells you that you are not weak. The Bible tells you today, brothers and sisters, that you are strong. And you are strong not because you have had enough theological understanding. You are strong not because you have enough wisdom and experience to live as a faithful Christian. But see in the verse 14, it says, you are strong because the Word of God, the Word that has overcome the world, now abides in us. And talking about the Word of God that abides in us, brothers and sisters, it's not simply talking about how many Bible verses that we can memorize. It, it's not only talking about how we have mastered the Bible, how familiar we are with the Bible. Remember, if we see how John writes his letter and also the fourth gospel, he often uses the word word or logos in Greek to point out actually to the second person of the Trinity, that is Jesus Christ himself. In other words, John tells us, newly converted Christians, that you are strong because Christ now lives in you. You are now strong because Christ is your strength. And you can depend on his strength because he has shown his strength by overcoming the world. And the good news, my friends, we already have the strength within us right, right now. In fact, God has given the strength since the very first day we accepted Christ into our lives, and this strength will remain, it will grow, and it will lead us always to fight against our sins and to live in obedience to God's will. And moreover, this strength is not given to us because we are good enough, not because we have succeeded some sort of test, but we have received this strength because God's grace alone. And because the strength is not dependent upon our, upon our good works, brothers and sisters, so this strength will remain in us despite our sins, despite our failures. It will lead you to walk in holiness. You will hate sin more and more with the strength. You will overcome the world as it is said, as it is said in verse 14. And there is no sin. There is no even bigger the biggest sin that we can imagine in this world that cannot be overcome by the strength that God has put in our lives. And this is the exhortation, this is the encouragement for all of us young Christians, the newly converted Christians, that we are not weak. We are strong, and we are strong because of Christ lives in us. And this is the first exhortation from Apostle John for all of us, for the first group, the newly converted Christians. Now let's move on to the second exhortation that John gives to us in this passage. 
that is to the mature Christians in the second point. For mature Christians, remember, you are still children. Now John puts, more, puts the focus now on the more mature Christian that is categorized as fathers in this exhortation. Christians in, the, in this category have perhaps, um, perhaps have spent most of their lives as Christians. They have been well acquainted with the content of the Bible. Maybe they have mastered or they have been familiar with all uh, Christian's theology, the Christian's doctrine very, very well. And they also have experienced the ups and downs in their lives as Christians. And in many emerging churches, and I think also in CCC, these people could be the leaders of the church, whether they are pastors, the elders, deacons, the community group leaders, the Bible study leaders. And we can also consider these people that we can talk for wise insights. And we can talk to, uh, to them maybe for Christian counseling to be people in this category. At first, we may think that these experienced mature Christians would not have serious struggle like a newly converted Christians can experience. But that's not the case at all. If new Christians may feel weak because they think they're inexperienced, they do not have enough knowledge, the mature Christians, on the other hand, may treat themselves as strong because they have enough knowledge, they have enough experience. However, brothers and sisters, there is a danger that comes with our expansive knowledge and experience because they can come with boredom. We can easily lose the awe and reverence to the Holy God because sometimes as we become more and more familiar with the content of the Bible, we may also become mundane and we see God as an ordinary thing. We lose the amazement of knowing God. And that's why many mature Christians, though they know God in their head, but sometimes they don't show it in their hands. They think they are strong. They think they can handle this difficult life. But actually, they do it based on their own strength, based on their own skills. I realized this in my own seminary journey, brothers and sisters. I remember when I first um, enrolled in a, in, in a course, I was very, very excited. I was very, very enlightened with the gospel that it changed my worldview. It opened up again uh, the perspective for me and I grew more and more in worship and amazement towards the Lord. But after 12 courses, after one and a half year, you know, I slowly lost the amazement of the gospel as I grew in my biblical and theological knowledge then I realized this is not right. As I mastered the Bible deeper and deeper, I supposed to grow in deeper love and in deeper worship of, of Him, and not the opposite. B.B. Warfield, a Reformed theologian who was active in the early 20th century, once said, the biggest threat for Christians living is neither poverty nor illness, but the biggest threat for Christian living is when Christians no longer see the Lord and His wonderful work worthy of our worship. And given this condition, brothers and sisters, Apostle John reminds mature Christians in verse 13 and 14, I'm writing to you fathers because you know Him who is from the beginning, it says. 
John reminds us that we not only know him by knowledge, but we also know him in our relationship with the Lord. Because the word know in the statement, you know him, it is ginosko in Greek. And that means we not only know about God, we not only know the knowledge of God, but in the original meaning, the word ginosko means that we actually have an intimate relationship, like an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. And therefore, my friends, when we read the Word of God, we actually not only see a biography about Jesus. When we read the, the Word of God, we not only see His wise and useful quotes for our life, but when we see the Word of God, we actually engage in a deep relationship with the person of Jesus Christ Himself. We engage in a deep relationship with the King of all kings, with the Maker of heaven and earth. And through this word, through his revelation, we can also see that the maker of heaven and earth is also our shepherd who will lead us and take care of all of us. He, Christ is not only our king, but he is also our beloved friends. Christ is not just the judge of our sins, but he is also the savior that has satisfied the punishment of our sins. And in this deep relationship with God, we have all the privilege that we can experience as Christians because God has called us not only as his servant, God has called us not only as his disciple, but God called us as his own beloved children. And friends, there is no greater blessings. There is no greater honor than to know God as our Father and for God to know us as His children, that He truly loves and cares as His own children. And especially to my brothers and sisters who, who thought that they are strong enough, who thought that they know everything, John wants us to see that we are still His children. John wants to remind us that we cannot live apart from Him. We still need to know that whatever happens in our life, whatever, whatever happens that comes into our life, they happen not because that we are smart, not because that we are strong, but because of His sovereign providence in our lives. And we still need Him for our spiritual nourishment, like a child that depends on his father for food, for protection, for all of his needs. And lastly, because we are God's children we also have access to him. Friends, who would dare to wake Jokowi up at midnight to ask him for a glass of water? Is that person his employee? Or maybe his uh, cabinet minister? Or maybe his vice president? No, that person must be Jokowi's own child. He would dare to do so because he doesn't see Jokowi as his president, but he sees Jokowi as his father. And he knows that his father will take care of his needs, even though it seems simple, because his father loves him. And likewise, brothers and sisters, we as the children of God, we can come to him because we have our perfect mediator, Jesus Christ, who has loved us, who has died for our sin. And this is why we grow together in Christ, and we need to be reminded at all times that we are his children. And this is John's second exhortation for all of us, especially for mature Christians. So friends, we heard two encouragements for our faith. 
and you may now feel strengthened, you may now feel energized to once again live faithfully in Christ until a great storm came, came into our lives. And once again, we feel weak. Once again, we feel distant from God. And we wonder, how would God sustain His strength and His love for our weak and deprived soul? How can we make sense of God in the midst of our sins and sufferings now? And we will see this in the last exhortation from this verse. The third point for all Christians. Remember, you are forgiven. Friends, there is one more category John mentioned in this exhortation. That is little children in verse 12 and 13. And you may, however, think now we have just discussed two different categories of Christians. The, newly, the, the recently converted Christians and the mature Christians. So, who are now these little children mentioned in verse 12 and 13? To understand this, we need to step back a little bit and see the whole letter of John. And you will see John often calls his readers as little children. The original word used in Greek here is actually technia. And this word is normally used not to address children literally, but it is, it is used to express the love of the writer to his audience. And in other words, John often used the word little children in this letter to show and to express his love to the audience that he's writing to. Because he really wants to see the Christians to grow in likeness of Christ. But remember, the love expressed here is not merely coming from John himself. Remember, friends, John is not the ultimate author of this letter. God is. He is using John to write his letter. So when John says that he loves us, it also means that God loves us. He calls us little children not to belittle us, but it is God's expression of love to us. And in verse 12, John says that the love of God is made known to us because your sins are forgiven. Friends, sin, the greatest obstacles between God and us, sin that has caused damage in our relationship with God, and sin that has made us weak because we are opposed to its desire, because we are oppressed by its desire. Now in His great love and mercy, it is said, sins has been forgiven. Our sins are forgiven, brothers and sisters. It is because God, who is strong, became weak for us. Our sins are forgiven because Christ, who is God's dearest Son, had to experience rejection from the Father when He turns His face away on the cross. We are forgiven, brothers and sisters, because what Christ has done for us on the cross. And this is the true love. This is the love that will surpass all knowledge. The love that is beyond what we can think, we can ask, we can see, and this is the kind of love, brothers and sisters, that God poured lavishly upon us when He died for our sins and transgressions. And only, only by His death, we who were once weak can become strong we who were once distant can be near to God and this condition will remain in our lives forever because forgiving doesn't only mean that our sins are pardoned 
But in the original language, it also means that we have been divorced forever from our sins. We have been separated forever with sins. The death of Christ has overcome the curse of sins and His forgiveness will abide forever in our lives. Therefore, in Christ, we have this certainty that sin will have no more dominion over us. Sin is no longer part of our lives and its power will be less and less in our lives while the grace of Christ will grow more and more in us. And friends, only by realizing that we have been forgiven, only by recognizing that our sins have been washed away in Christ, it is the only hope for us to be strong and to know God wholeheartedly, to be amazed at all times, to see that He is worthy of our worship. So friends, today if you come carrying the burdens of sins, you feel that you are too weak to handle the threat of this world, see His forgiveness. See this gospel again and again. And see that Christ has died for your weaknesses. He is the source of your strength that lives in you now. And this is the strength that is enough for us to fight our sins. This is the, the strength that is enough for us to endure suffering in this world. And this, this, is the, this is the strength that is enough for us to worship Him in all situations of our lives. And for my mature brothers and sisters, if you feel that you are strong enough, if perhaps you have lost the amazement of your faith, remember, to preach this familiar gospel, to preach the gospel that you have known from beginning every single time in your heart. Remember that you are forgiven not because we have done enough merit to, our, to earn our relationship, but it is done because Christ has loved us with the eternal, satisfying love of the triune God. And for all, all of us, rest in this truth. Rest in the gospel and enjoy the gift of salvation in all times, whether we are in sickness or poverty, sickness or, or good health, whether we are in rich or poverty. God is faithful and he abides in us forever. Let us pray. Father, your word has been preached to us today. of your grace alone because you have shown your love when you forgive our sins at the cross. And I pray that this word may live in us, that the Holy Spirit will preach this word to us at all times so that we may remind, we, we may be reminded, we may see the true beauty and the glory of the gospel every day in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.